the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 13th, 2021, <clears throat> Professor Adrian Dixon at the University of Illinois is quoted in the USA Today today as saying, quote, the recent wave of attention on critical race theory didn't start with Trump, but rather became crystallized during his administration. Former President Barack Obama's election was shocking and traumatic for people who always imagined the U.S. as a white nation. And since then, there's been a profound ignorance about what critical race theory really is. There may be ignorance as to what critical race theory is, but not, not from conservatives. Though the author of this article writes, quote, Many conservatives' views are that critical race theory portrays the United States as a racist country, that certain people are inherently oppressive, and those people are accountable for the sins committed by their predecessors. In their interpretation, the theory seeks to make particularly in particular individuals, namely white people, feel uncomfortable and guilty about their race, close quote. Well, yes, when you have course material on how not to be white and what traits are part and parcel of certain races, like work and family formation, and of course, Seeing the problem of family formation in some of our minority communities, adopting Karl Marx's belief that the Western family structure simply must be demolished. When you teach children as preschoolers that racial differences matter, and when you teach the rest of society that America was born in slavery and that 1776 is not our founding, but slavery in 1619 was, though no founder believed or knew of that or thought of that before. Yes, you can communicate that certain people are inherently oppressive in this country is to be lamented rather than celebrated. A few other thoughts arise. When in the 1990s these kinds of things were being said by the likes of Leonard Jeffries, do you remember him? He was a kook at the City University of New York who had the theory that, to quote from the Baltimore Sun, that laboriously brought forth the notion of racial superiority based on skin color. Dr. Jeffries believes he can, so to speak, separate sheep from goats among us bipeds by examining our melanin. In the Jeffries version of the story of mankind, it is the dark-skinned who are destined to rule. They are the sun people. Whites are the ice people. Anyone remember this? We have children of the sun, he tells blacks, and they came first. And we are the haves. We have had the beginning of the march of humankind. We are the mothers and fathers of civilization. We developed science, mathematics, and philosophy, he said. All of this notion of dark people and light people and warm people and cold people based on race... It was called racial superiority and geneticism in the 19th century. 
It was called racial superiority in Nazi Germany. It was called racial superiority when Martin Luther King denounced such elements in his movement. It was called racial superiority when we used to be more brave about calling out the likes of Louis Farrakhan. And it is racial superiority today. U.S. Supreme Court Justice and Nuremberg Prosecutor Robert Jackson at Nuremberg said this in his closing argument to the jury, quote, it is common to think of our own time as standing at the apex of civilization from which the deficiencies of preceding ages may patronizingly be viewed in the light of what is assumed to be progress. The reality is that in the long perspective of history, the present century will not hold an admirable position unless its second half is efforted to redeem its first. These two score years in this 20th century, he was speaking in 1946, will be recorded in the Book of Years as one of the most bloody in all annals. Two world wars have left a legacy of dead, which number more than all the armies engaged in any war that made ancient or medieval history. No half century ever witnessed slaughter on such a scale, such cruelties and inhumanities, such wholesale deportations of people into slavery, such annihilations of minorities. The terror of Torquemada pales before the Nazi Inquisition. These deeds are the overshadowing historical facts by which generations to come will remember this decade. If we cannot eliminate the causes and prevent the repetition of these barbaric events, it is not an irresponsible prophecy to say that this 20th century may yet succeed in bringing the doom of civilization, if we cannot eliminate the causes and prevent the repetition of these barbaric events. I'd love to repeat that because it explains in part why the phrase never again is one of the worst lies of the 20th and 21st century. If we cannot eliminate the causes and prevent the repetition of these barbaric events, it is not an irresponsible prophecy to say that this 20th century may yet succeed in bringing the doom of civilization. Could be that Robert Jackson was just off by 50 or 60 years. We seem not to have buried the notion, after all, that Jackson called shameful and depraved in his closing arguments, and that, of course, was the classification of people by race, religion, and ethnicity, shameful and depraved. Whenever I think of these readoptive philosophies of racial superiority and inferiority like we're given from critical race theorists today, telling us to be less white and what are the behavioral traits of black and white people? Whenever I think of these resurrections, I think of what I thought was buried at Nuremberg, never to be resurrected. I think of the eerie closing of Robert Jackson's in his last sentence where he said, quote, The defendants stand before the record of this trial as blood-stained Gloucester stood by the body of his slain king. He begged of the widow as they beg of you, say I slew them not, and the queen replied, then say you were not slain, but dead they are. If you were to say of these men that they are not guilty, it would be as true to say there has been no war, there are no slain, there has been no crime. I think of that 
when I read from the Smithsonian that there are traits of whiteness and blackness explained by group behavior, religious belief, family formation, work ethic. I think of critical race training sessions that teach people at major corporations how to be less white. I think of our journals capitalizing certain races in their stories to make sure that race's special uniqueness is considered as important. I think of the curricula that teaches children racial composition matters. I think of meetings with parents and teachers that have different phone lines and times for peoples of different races, just like water fountains once upon a time and lunch counters, and dorms, and colleges, and elementary and secondary schools. Oh, wait, I could be describing today. I find Jackson's summary argument frightening because it is as if we have totally lost the lesson of the Holocaust. We know well, after all, the what of it. We have done worse than ignore the why of it. What do I mean we have done worse with the why of it? Because we are applying and using the same animating ethics that gave purpose and rise to the Holocaust, the notion of genetic and racial superiority and inferiority, the meaning of personhood and humanhood based on nothing more than race. Just saying this, I would have thought, ipso facto could have ended the arguments about these things some years ago. Now people look at me befuddled as if I'm speaking Esperanto or something, as if I'm talking about something that makes no sense. And indeed, to too many people, it makes no sense because they've been raised, drenched already in anti-American, anti-Western doctrine, so much so that it's become too difficult to understand, never mind remember, what enemies of America did and what the enemies of America were. And so if we could get to a place where when America is no longer good, how can its enemies be bad? Got it? If America bad, its enemies not so bad. Our self-abnegation leads ineluctably to doubting the wrongness of our enemies and leads ineluctably to the consideration that our enemies were perhaps not so wrong. This is what happens when we stop teaching, much less understanding the difference between good and evil and that one can arrive at a difference between good and evil. This is what happens when we stop teaching history. And of course, it becomes awfully difficult to teach the wrongness of geneticism and racial superiority and inferiority when you are touting the beauty of things like others' races' power or others' races' entitlements based on race or other races' legalized preferences and immunities based on race and punishments against others based on race, all of which is the essence of critical race theory. Let me be as clear as I can on the race issues of the day because they boil down to a lot, an awful lot of unlearning. When it comes to matters racial in America, The self-described progressives of today have adopted the philosophy of Jules Stryker. When it comes to the history of our founding in America, the self-described progressives of today have adopted the philosophy and historical analysis of the slaveholding and slave-defending Confederate leaders using the exact same language about understanding our founding that the Confederate leaders used to justify Slavery. In other words, the progressives today have adopted the two 
most once-upon-a-time signal and unique exemplars of retrograde thinking and resurrected it as enlightened and forward-thinking. Who knew you could take the Confederacy and the Third Reich and make its philosophy all well and good and fine and dandy for the progressive cause in America in the 21st and 22nd century, for as far as we can tell. History can repeat itself when it is forgotten, I guess, after all. Helps explain how the leading progressive of the last century, Woodrow Wilson, could air a KKK movie in the White House, though, doesn't it? Another point, if I may, Professor Dixon, whom we quoted, quoted above, said, quote, former President Barack Obama's election was shocking and traumatic for people who always imagined the U.S. as a white nation. And since then, there's been a profound ignorance about what critical race theory really is, close quote. How was Obama's election shocking and traumatic to white people or people who imagined that the United States was a white nation? Who thought that? The left thought that, not the right. It was the left that said we were such a racist country we could never elect a black man. We conservatives said, of course we could. And we've said the same thing about women. We were right. America was not a racist nation. They were wrong. Barack Obama received a higher percentage of the white vote than any Democrat other than Jimmy Carter in 1976. He received a higher percentage of the white vote than did George H.W. Bush. In 1992, the beau ideal of a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. One final point. While a lot of us were proud to be Americans because of America and others who fought for it, Michelle Obama told us her pride in America came from her ability and her husband's ability to succeed. Patriotism, in other words, was dependent on their success, not others and not their countries, but theirs. Consider, in over 40 years of life at that point, Michelle Obama told us the first time she was proud of America could take her hold because her husband was doing well in the primaries. Did it ever dawn on her she was late to the game and that we all had been proud of America because it could provide the ground, time, and moment for a black man whose middle name was Hussein in a war against terrorism who could be elected to the presidency of the United States while throttling the most famous politician in America, a war hero and a white man. It could, and we knew it. We conservatives knew this could happen. The left didn't. They were wrong and we were right about America. Still are. Now let us recall. It was Obama in the Senate who was privately meeting with Louis Farrakhan, after all, while his run for president was being organized. It was Obama who took his children to the church of a Leonard Jeffries acolyte, Jeremiah Wright, and tried to convince us Wright did not stand for the things he broadcast as loudly as he possibly could. You did not see Ronald Reagan or George Bush, either of them, or John McCain or Mitt Romney or Donald Trump, all hated and described as racists in their time by the left, you did not see a one of them ever meet with or countenance the work of white supremacists. You did see them always rushing as fast as possible to denounce them. And just because the media didn't report it didn't mean those trees didn't fall in those forests. We've played audio 
here of Donald Trump denouncing white supremacy some 16 times, for example. But Donald Trump is routinely described as holding the opposite view because talk radio is the only media that plays those 16 denunciations. Just as the left today is seen as enlightened on their views, views which are truly resurrections of philosophical and historic luridities. The point. Politics and political thinking can be recidivist, and it is today. This makes you and I the true reform party in America, at least when it comes to the asylum we're all being put in. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 That is massively exciting news. I don't know if you caught it in that commercial break. We're doing this great uh, border crisis event. The event is great, not the crisis. Obviously, it's horrible, which is why we're doing the event. Crisis at the border, May 25th. Andy Biggs is going to give us a tour of the border, me and Mike Gallagher, on the 24th. Uh, and, and Seb Gorka is now joining us. And Seb Gorka will join us, uh, that is to say, Andy Biggs and me and Mike Gallagher on May 25th. You are invited to join us as well. 960thepatriot.com is where we'll be discussing what we saw at the border and why we think this crisis at the border is but one of the many crises that the progressives are using for their advantage to fundamentally change America. So May 25th. Gallagher, Gorka, Biggs, me, and hopefully you. Go to 960thepatriot.com for your tickets. The CDC has now spoken, and Joe Biden has now spoken on vaccines and masks. And they are now telling you, as Rochelle Walensky and Joe Biden said today, if you have been fully vaccinated, for the most part, you do not need to wear a mask anymore. Reading off the CDC website, if you've been fully vaccinated, you can resume activities without wearing a mask or staying six feet apart, except where required by federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial laws. Um, That's the new guideline. Now, what's interesting to me about this new guideline is some of us were saying it a year ago. Not about the vaccine and masks per se, but masks generally and outdoors. And we have been saying it since December with the vaccine. What was Dr. Fauci saying when others said you don't need to wear a mask after vaccination? Do you remember Rand Paul got into it with Dr. Fauci about this in March? Two months ago. What did Dr. Fauci say? Here's the CBS News headline. Rand Paul is dead wrong about not needing to wear masks after vaccination. That was Anthony Fauci two months ago. How do you how do you how do you follow the science and stay up with them when they're changing their mind all the time? Two months ago, removing masks mandates for the vaccinated was Neanderthal thinking according to to Biden, inviting another surge, according to Fauci, and absolutely reckless, according to Gavin Newsom. 
The price for being right is appearing to be wrong at the time. We were right. They were wrong. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Grand Canyon Planning Associates is the company. His radio show, The World on Wealth, heard here every Saturday morning. John, how are you this Thursday? Fantastic. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing just fine. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what is the big economic news today? Markets had a bit of a recovery. I almost wonder if the economic news isn't really going to be driven by the new guidance on uh, vaccines and masks. Well, that's possible. We did see the CDC announcing new public health recommendations on masks, and they talked about how if someone's been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, they're saying you do not need to wear a mask any longer, whether it's outside or inside. Uh, And one of the other things I did see someone who's fully vaccinated, they're saying it doesn't matter. You can participate in indoor or outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask, which basically says to me, you don't have to worry about physical distancing, they're saying any longer. Uh, this This is important because now we have businesses that should be able to open their doors fully and be able to, you know, get back to full capacity. This is important. Yeah, I I think it's hugely important. I I think it's hugely late. <coughs> yes, and and, I, and I'm glad we're on board finally, and that the uh, CDC has caught up with common sense. I wonder if there was just pressure they felt when that that recent. I worry about uh, another element to it. Out. Honestly, I'll tell you what my worry. Yes, I'm sure there was pressure. At a certain point, you can resist common sense for so long, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I also worry if this isn't the first uh, step in. Um, in uh, in pushing for vaccine passport legislation or policy on well, that's going to be the yeah. question. That's yeah. really, a, I would imagine, the, the next thought would be is okay. Well, how are we going to tell if someone's really truly been vaccinated, right? Right. Because you could have a bunch of people walking yep. around who haven't been vaccinated. That's right. And uh, how are we going to know that? That's so, right. Um, it, it, they're not going to ask you to bring your um, passport because we don't have passports yet for vaccines. So I, I don't know, Seth. You know, I would ask governors. Uh, I mean, my view is governors should start passing legislation as Florida's DeSantis did, barring that yeah. that sort of thing. Right. Right. Yep. That uh, that would that would be, that would be what I would think a, a smart governor would get ahead in the curve on, because I think it's already starting. We're starting to see pushes in those directions. Which I don't, you know, I haven't thought through the economic consequences of just yet. Um, no, but uh, again, I think we talked a little bit about this this past mm-hmm. week, which was uh, those employers out there who are trying to find uh, employees to fill positions that they have available right now. Yeah. Uh, they're having difficulty doing that. So you're going to still have, even though companies now potentially can open to full capacity, such as restaurants or other businesses out there, retail, are they going to be able to do it? because they may not be able to find the employees to service the amount of people that may want to be patrons of their business. Right, right. And so I'm seeing more and more governors saying no to the added unemployment yes. benefits mm-hmm. as, right. a, uh, as, as a way of getting uh, around this. And I'm seeing this – I didn't read the story, but I saw the headline. Maybe you saw it too. I think I saw Amazon and McDonald's major companies yep. are now offering incentives to new hires to try and get them to come to work. Base uh, pay $17 an hour now, yeah. starting at $17 an hour. So, you know, is that talk about $15 minimum wage. And here you've got companies that are a couple dollars ahead of that. So uh, and they're still having trouble finding work. So 
it, our employees. It's really interesting, Seth. It's, it's a strange dynamic that we're going through right now. I do believe that we're seeing so many people out there who are unemployed that are still flush as far as their bank accounts are, even with all of the uh, you know, unemployment out there. They've been getting paid higher than what some people, I should say, have been getting paid more than what they actually were earning when they were working. Um, so eliminating this uh, additional uh, stimulus at this point and allowing people to go back to work is probably a good step for the economy. Yeah, overall. I agree with you. I, yeah. I think it's a disincentive at this level at this point. And I think we're going to see this happen. It will happen. And when it does, I think you're going to start to see these inflation fears potentially uh, begin to um, you know, start to back off a little I bit as well. I hope so. Yeah, oh, I, I do too. Good, I really do. Good. Thank you, John. You bet. Uh, as always, check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Check in on Saturday with us in the morning at 7 a.m. on KKNT. For the word on wealth, securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John Dombrowski. We'll talk to you next time. And for those of you who want to get in on the currents of the day, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960 is the number. Let's go to Dana in Chandler. Hi, Dana. Hi, Seth. How are you? Really good. How are you? We're hanging in there. A little tired over here. Yeah. We, uh, it's, been, it's been a rough few days. We lost one of the puppies. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the three? Is, you know. Nature's cruel that way. One of um, the, the three. There was. Any, there were three. Yeah, one of the three. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Mama doesn't have any milk, so okay. we're waking up around the clock every two hours, tube and bottle feeding everybody, and you know it happens sometimes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Part of the job. It's the worst part of the job, yep. but it's part of the job. Yep. 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 Absolutely. So, in the midst of all of this fun that I'm having, <laughs> um, you know, we talked about. Today, you were talking about the CDC and, and changing the guidelines, and, and, and you know, there's, there's really no, there's no bullseye. You know, the, the, the goalposts keep getting moved That's on That's correct. Us. And we talk about, you know, parents and fighting back with the school systems, and you're talking about critical race theory, and we're trying, you know, really hard to keep this stuff out of the schools. One of the things that I, I wanted to share with you about why parents don't fight back um, is it's exhausting, and I have been trying for the last week um, to advocate for my daughter. We we have her in a charter school that we really thought was going to be a good fit, and we were sold a bill of goods that, that there were some things hidden from us purposefully that we didn't know about that we don't agree with, and we've made our, our voices clear that we don't agree with them, and we've been basically told that we're the problem. Yeah. And um, we got a waiver for our daughter to get out of wearing a mask, and, and they accepted that, and they honored it for several weeks. And then last Friday, there was a positive case at school, so they pulled the rug out from all the kids and revoked all of the mask waivers, and now we'll only accept mask waivers from um, healthcare professionals. Quick and, question, and quick question, quick question, yes. Dana. Um, that child who turned out positive for covid were they able well, we to... We don't know if it's a child or an adult. Uh, fair enough. So do we know... Do we know? In other words, did the school... Was the school able to con- to say whether that was that that was obtained that 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 the 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 the, the uh, infection uh, was 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 uh, received at the school, communicated at the school? Do we know that? Um, the only thing they communicated to us was that there was a positive case, and as of Friday. Um, 
all the mask requirements have gone back into place for anybody that had an exemption. So a teacher, administrator, or possible someone in the maintenance or some other part of the crew could be the cause here, not a child. Well, or the two-year-old that's on campus every day because his mom is home on maternity leave with the new baby or the new baby that comes to school with the parent that works at the school. Yeah, no, we don't know. They won't tell us. It's, you know, HIPAA regulations and all that. Okay, okay, okay. So in in trying to get my daughter out of the mask again, um, we contacted the pediatrician. The pediatrician said, you know, oh, vaccinate or blah, 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 which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to be a guinea pig and I'm not willing to let my minor child be a guinea pig. So that's not happening. The, the doctor won't write her um, waiver, you know, a, a mask waiver. So I, I'm, I'm doctor shopping, trying to find someone that will. But in the meantime, my husband is a, is a licensed professional, occupational health and safety professional. He does this for a living. So we filled out um, an ADA accommodation because our daughter has anxiety and, and all of this is causing her even more anxiety. Of course. And my husband is licensed to do this. He does this all day long. So we filled out the you know paperwork. Well, the school's rejected that. It's not a, it's not a licensed healthcare professional that they've approved of. So, you know, the, the goalpost just keeps getting moved and moved and moved. And, and none of this has ever been communicated to us in anything in writing and policy, you know, that all of this could change at the drop of a hat. And so today I, I, I've been doing research. I contacted the Arizona um, Board of Charter Schools. The people there were helpful. They directed me towards um, Mark Bernovich's office. I called Mark Bernovich's office. He directed me toward the ombudsman. And I get to the ombudsman's office, and they direct me back to the Arizona Board of Charter Schools. And explaining to them, you know, it's a circle jerk. Nobody wants to do anything. Nobody wants to help me. They just keep referring me off to the next guy. And this is why parents don't fight access. We're exhausted. We have lives other than fighting for all of this stuff. You know, I'm I'm, I'm fighting for two puppies' lives. I'm fighting for my daughter. I don't even have a full-time job. I'm home. I have no idea how people do it without full-time jobs. No idea. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But I'm exhausted. Um. And, and I'm reaching out to you because, you know, if there's somebody in your listening audience somewhere that's willing to, to help us, to, to, to put us in the right direction, to be an advocate for those of us that, you know, I've gone to the Arizona legislature's, um, you know, pages where the policies and procedures are laid out. And basically, this is child abuse. And so I've had other parents say, you know, file child abuse charges against the school, file charges, you know, child abuse charges against anybody that you can um, you know, and just inundate them. But I don't have the time and the resources to, to, to find No, and I, you don't. You know. And and it's going to take um, a lot to do something like that when the 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 public entity, which the charter school is, uh, can defend itself based on you know authority from the state or from the uh, from the uh, uh, from the city or the county. Or, or its governing board. So it's it's just going to be extremely oh. hard to do that, Dana. But don't I don't know how they the fight it. Board. I think you've got a couple choices. I think you've got to find another doctor or another school. That's it. Or homeschool. I think those are the choices we're left with. Yeah. So if there's any doctors in your listening, I got one for you. I got one. Yeah, I, I got a couple I'm, for I'm you. Hold. Willing- Hold, I'm hold. willing to pay. Yeah, I, I understand. You hold. I've, I've got a couple for you. I'll give you a few names uh, if you hold. After. And, the, and the, the other thing I wanted to mention, you said that the governing board, this school has a governing board. Um, I have scoured the Internet and scoured everywhere that I can find. There are no emails listed of um, anywhere for any of the board of directors. Other no, they than make the it hard for you. This is, they may everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's this is this is this is no different than when you call a major 
I don't know, airline or corporation and they put you through, you know, seven circles of answering questions and routing you. And then once you get a live person, you have to do it as if, you know, you hadn't spent the last 30 minutes on hold already doing all that anyway. They are trying to make it inconvenient for you, obviously, right, Tana? I mean, they want you to just be an automaton and go along. And, and I'm, 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 I'm trying. Which, the by the way, I have to say, I have tired. to, yeah, I have to say for a charter school to take the ethic of let's just go along with the status, with what the, what the government and authorities are telling us. That was the whole reason charter schools came about was to challenge that notion. Well, and not to mention that this charter school's whole mission and, and basis of the school is constitution yeah there you go <laughs> one of the reasons why we picked the school that we did yeah I mean, so it's, it's so, truly unbelievable yeah so when joe biden says uh when joe biden says as he did today that the new rule is if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask does anyone stop to say whose rule and what authority do you have for that rule making does anyone well, ask that? Can we just say we identify as vaccinated? <laughs> I mean, if we can identify as any sex we want, can't I just say I identify as vaccinated? I have no idea why you couldn't. I really don't. I don't. I don't have any idea. You were born vaccinated. Right? Hello? Yeah. It's just the doctor didn't assign the vaccination to your birth certificate. But you believe you're vaccinated. Correct. Hold the line a second, okay? I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Anthony is in Gilbert. Hello, Anthony. Yeah, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Don't moving around a little bit. That's all right. So I've been a teacher for 15 years. And after the selection of 2020, because it wasn't an election, uh, I, I decided I was going to be a lot more active in in politics. Instead of sitting around at home and complaining, I, I felt like I needed to do something. And then, of course, you had what happened last year, which was driving me crazy as an educator because, first of all, I teach government, and I've been searching and scouring the Constitution, and I can't seem to find the verse in the Constitution or the article that states that it's suspended when there's a pandemic and that we need a president's permission when to wear a mask, when we can go out, who we can associate with. I don't know. Maybe it's in an article I'm just not getting, but I don't seem to find it there. So I've been a little frustrated with that. Do you ever teach anything about patriotism and the history of patriotism? Was it ever said that wearing a mask is a sign of patriotic duty? You ever do that in your history classes? Well, I talk about patriotism, but I don't talk about wearing a mask. I just don't know sure. the example. I don't know where that came yeah, from. I, you know, it's it's typical leftist mentality of inventing history and pretending like it's history. Mm-hmm. But you're inventing present right. situations. Right. I mean, our founding fathers dealt, they knew about plagues. They had, you know, they were well-versed and well-studied. They knew about all the plagues of the past. They knew about the plagues of the time. And they still didn't put it in there. No, they didn't. I decided... Because this critical race theory, I have two boys. I have a 16-year-old and a 7-year-old. There was no way, as an educator, that I would stay in the field if they were going to go to this 
to this. Now, Anthony, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a quick challenge for you. My challenge is this. I have a short segment here. This is an important issue. Is there any way I can impose upon you to either hold or call me back in like a half an hour and I can get the full story with you? And the, I, the Because this is hugely important. Do you have time to give us a call yeah. back in a half hour or hold either way? Because I have a guest coming up. Absolutely. I can hold because I'll just... Happy uh, to have you. Great, great, great. And that goes for others on hold now, too. Feel free to hold. Uh, uh, I have uh, David Harsanyi coming up from National Review. uh, And we'll get back to your calls in about a half an hour, if you don't mind. Or uh, feel free to call back. Either way. And there's room for more. We have uh, a few on hold and room for more. 602-508-0960. David Harsanyi on what we need to know about the Middle East. We'll be right back.